welcome to Views from the Monster, the f- podcast formerly known as Ship City. I'm your host, Connor. I'm joined by my good pal, Aaron, and we are the Bevy Boys here to break down some more Boston Red boys. Sox. Aaron, how you doing? I'm good. I got no bevies. Uh, see, I got, <laughs> Actually, I do. I, I got three. I have, Again. I have bevies. I have a bevy. I have my electrolyte water. I got more, another Franny's. Shout out my girlfriend nice. for me on. And then I have a white monster. Nice, nice. I've got um, leftover Cran Apple oh. Diet 5 uh, from last night. Uh, I don't know what it is about like left. It's going to be all watered down. <laughs> Do you ever notice how like sometimes if you leave like a water out, it just has like a weird taste to it? Mm-hmm. It's Can't like, even. I know it's just water, but it tastes weird. It tastes old. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. All right. I'm, a, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that water has taste. Mm. Mm-hmm. I drink so much water, it's developed a taste for me. It's like, man, there's nothing better than the taste of nothing, but that's the water taste, man. It's just refreshing. That's the taste. And then when it's not refreshing, it tastes bad. Oh, absolutely. And... I, I don't know how we started this podcast talking about water and the taste of it, but we're here. <laughs> well, surprise, surprise, once again, the Red Sox have done nothing, so we are... Nothing. <laughs> we are left to our own devices. I mean... Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but there, there's That's been... how the entire fan base feels right now. Yeah. And, you know, I want to get this out of the way right now. Uh, I am so I'm just I'm mentally checked out with the ownership group. I'm I can't Oh god. I just can't force myself to care. Like they don't care about us. I don't care about them. I'm done talking about them. Cuz like <laughs> nothing nothing they say at this point is going to do anything for me. Oh no. I do have one thing that I want to share though real quick <laughs> cuz <laughs> I thought it was really funny. Um and I don't know if you saw it, but um or if you really even care because uh, it's soccer based, but um, oh, I uh, with FSG. So the Fenway, or, um, yeah. So Fenway Sports Group owns Liverpool in the Premier League, and I'm a big soccer fan, so I follow it at least a little bit. And the head coach of Liverpool just Klopp. left pretty suddenly. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp. He he left pretty suddenly, and on his way out, he basically said, uh, he said in a quote, um, "I I don't have any issues with Fenway Sports Group." Should we have spent more to improve the team? Yeah. But we at the end of the day, we did the we best didn't. we could with what we had. <laughs> it at was the end like, of the day, wow. We didn't. Yeah. Yeah, um I'm it is funny too. I saw LeBron um he tweeted like, "Oh, Klopp, you know, much respect." Uh and I wonder if he'll do the same for Cora once he leaves in a year. Mm. Um, yeah, because it's basically all but given at this point. Yeah, it's kind of like um, I forget who said it, but basically, it's like if uh, if your managers or maybe your GM is going into the last year of their deal on like on a one year deal, assume they're not coming back because mm-hmm. if they were, you would have gotten that locked up, and especially like on a team where it's very clear that they're not going to spend and they just don't feel like being competitive. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I know you're almost done with your contract here, but, you know. We want to see you what you can do one more time with a very average roster. You know, Which, anyways. funny <laughs> enough, is going to be our topic for this this episode yeah. and probably the next couple. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to spend probably the next four episodes just breaking down the position groups and talking about their past years and our thoughts on that and then what we think will happen next year um but before that we got we got our quick hits as usual um so first things first the hall of fame was announced Um, yeah three new members uh former red Sox adrian beltre got in with 95 listen I saw uh, when I was scrolling on YouTube. I saw the I saw a video about how that was the greatest one year deal ever because <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it it reignited his career. So literally, and I I always loved Beltre, so I'm happy for him. Yeah, uh, yeah. almost Red Sox. Todd Helton got in apparently. With, yeah, that that video has been making the rounds. I feel like about how he was almost traded for uh, Mike Lowell and. I think someone else, I forget the other name, but they couldn't agree on prospects, so he ended up being a lifer in Colorado. Um, and then surprisingly, kind of sneaking in, New Britain Rock Hat legend Joe Mauer, uh, with seventy six percent of the votes, and reminder, Barely. you have to get seventy five percent. Hey, I'll tell you what though, Joe Mauer deserves it. Really, I mean, absolutely. I don't care. It's hard to say anyone that doesn't make the Hall of or that does make the Hall of Fame isn't deserving. <laughs> but I mean, for the guy, you know, primarily catcher, also played what first base was it? Mm-hmm. And you know, as a catcher, had like multiple MVPs, batting you know, champ. silver slugger, batting champion, perennial All Star. Right. That's the that's the thing too, like because. Like the, you know, mid two thousands to like I don't know early twenty tens. I would say that's like those were my formative years of baseball. Mm. Every year, it felt like Joe Mauer was Joe Mauer, Buster Posey, pencil them in as your all star starters for catcher. So like yeah. for me, I I don't see baseball without thinking of Joe Mauer. Yep. Which, if I was a voter, that's how I'd vote. Yep. Um, but notably, just missing the cut, another former Red Sox, Billy Wagner, with mm. 73.8%. I, he'll get in next year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But... Um, and next and, year... Oh, no, go ahead, sorry. Can I just, can I just talk, or can we just talk <laughs> real quick about, like, every year... Around this time, it's Hall of Fame voting time, and you know the results come out. And every year, there's always the discussion about the people who use steroids in their career, and whether or not they should get into the Hall of Fame. And mm-hmm. for me, I just want to make my stance known: absolutely not. None of those guys deserve oh, it. I'm, None I'm, of them deserve it. I'm in the other boat. I mean, no. Well, for one thing, you do have uh, users of PEDs in the Hall of Fame now. Take them. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> They're not going to. But it's the same Take thing. Like, baseball was saved by the steroid era. 
like the home run chase, Bond sitting 73, like those brought like life back into baseball. Absolutely deserve to be rewarded for that. Mm. Now, and I think I think there's a difference between being in the museum and being acknowledged and being in the Hall of Fame as like this person exemplified what a career should be in baseball. Because if you cheat, you don't deserve that. Do you? Do, do they deserve the recognition as like okay, you're mm-hmm. walking through the Hall of Fame museum and it's like, you know, you have to, you obviously have to talk about that era of baseball because like you said, it is very important. But those people do not deserve a plaque and a statue at the Hall of Fame, point blank, because they because they cheated. I disagree. Yeah, I disagree. Uh, especially because you know Bud Selig's in there, and again, he was the one who benefited the most from it. Yeah, well, so it's like it, you're not they're not gonna do that but um, no no i know they <laughs> i know but this is my stance on it just yeah. they should get rid of all the people who literally it was proven that they used peds mm-hmm. take them out or don't let them in well maybe maybe next year we'll make our own ballot because yeah the first time uh candidates for next year we got a a little loaded bunch mm. so the two pro- most likely, or of this bunch, the most likely to get in first ballot, we have CeCe Sabathia and Ichiro Suzuki. Mm. Probably Ichiro more so than CeCe. I think Ichiro's getting in first ballot. Oh, no no doubt. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if it was like close to what Beltre had, like 95 96%. Absolutely. Um, and then our guy... PD, Pedroia is eligible. Uh, it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. As much as I, I want it to happen, it's not. <laughs> so in my head, I kind of viewed it as what what's going to happen with David Wright? Because I feel like David Wright and Pedroia are very similar in the sense that uh, great play, like what they meant to their teams was so much more than like what they're like maybe doing on the field. Because injuries absolutely sapped each of them of what mm-hmm. should have been uh, Hall of Fame careers. But I was looking into it. I was like, oh, wait. I, f- I kind of didn't realize how, like, like PD's got the rookie of the year. He's got the three rings. He's got the MVP. Like, Wright doesn't have that. So I do think he's got a better shot than Wright. But I, I don't think it's likely. I think mm-hmm. they're team Hall of Famers, but not MLB Hall of Famers. Yeah, and it's very much a similar situation of like I, I used to do this as like a, a younger child of mm-hmm. like I thought a player was good for our team, so I was like, why is he not in the Hall of Fame? And it was like the same situation with Jason Veritek to me. Mm-hmm. It's like I was like appalled. I was like, how is this guy not like a perennial All Star Hall of Famer? And then I realized, I the mean, he was teams. really good for the Red Sox, but not mm-hmm. a Hall of Fame guy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Pedroia. King Felix Hernandez, Curtis mm. Granderson, Russell Martin, mm. old friend Hanley Ramirez, Adam Jones, another old friend Ian Kinsler, Brian McCann, Zorilla himself, Ben Zobrist, and Troy <laughs> Tulowitzki. Those are the like the most notable names. I, I think Felix Hernandez has the best chance out of that group. I don't know. Um... It's hard because after that, but after the top two, I kind of have a hard time 
Like, I think Brian McCann's probably a one one time like on the ballot doesn't get enough votes and he's off. Um, mm. Same with Zobrist. Tulo is another example of someone who was on that trajectory, but then just the injuries mounted up and then he started bouncing around teams. Um, yep. Adam Jones is another example, I would say. It's kind of tough because like this is like the era that I was like, this is where I start cooking in baseball. So I obviously love yeah. all these guys, but like trying like to all look, of them, yes, yeah, trying to look objectively at it, it's like mm, maybe, yeah, to, those top two definitely, and then maybe maybe King Felix, maybe yeah. Pedroia, maybe him. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Felix Felix was my favorite baseball player in elementary school. Oh my so god, I'm he a little was, biased. He was disgusting. In his like, prime, he was just unstoppable. That he's like the first example, and you know I'm 24, so I didn't get to see some of the like real legends back in the day. But um, mm. he was one of the first examples of like if I looked in like the probable starters, and I saw King Felix, I was like, fuck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, he had two straight seasons of a below two and a half ERA. Mm-hmm. Um, his first year in the league. I mean, he had a 2.67 ERA his first year in the league. Mm. And yeah. then 2014, 2.14 ERA with what? What is that? Uh, 248 strikeouts. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was cooking. Yeah. Yep. And he had, what, he had one Cy Young Award, and he was an all-star. Oh, whoa. I'm just realizing 2010 he won the Cy Young but did wasn't an All Star. Nah. <laughs> Wait, hold on. 2010. I want to see what the roster was. His one year that because he was top five in Cy Young votes, uh, three different times, and he was top ten like one, two, three, four, five, six different times in his career, and he was an All Star every single one of those years except for the year that he won the Cy Young. <laughs> I hate how ESPN. I I don't. They just show like the entire list. I need to see like starters. Mm. Uh, Let's see. Okay, (laughs) Andrew Bailey was an All Star that year. Okay. Uh, Clay Buckholtz. Oh, okay. (laughs) Man, naming dudes: Trevor Cahill, Fausto Carmona, Neftali Feliz, Phil Hughes, Cliff Lester, Pettit Price. Lord. Mariano, CC, Joaquim Soria, Verlander, Weaver, Jose Valverde. Now they're just Jesus. names. <laughs> That's wild. That yeah, crazy, crazy. But such is the way it goes. Maybe that's maybe that's a segment we just in, like bring back. Just like looking at the rosters of a random All Star game. Hey, I'm down. Let's do it. Uh, Seeing you, if those guys were actually worthy. <laughs> just, just maybe you have your trivia for me. I'm gonna give you trivia. Like, uh, who was the Blue Jays representative for position players? Would not. <laughs> I John honestly, Buck. honestly, I would. I I would go O for everything. <laughs> I could not tell you. 
I'm no Passin. No, no, no. Passin is a robot when it comes to just yeah. like looking at a baseball reference page without the name being like, oh, duh, that's Josh I Hamilton. I know exactly who this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right. So we got there's a, there's been other movement around the league. Um some names relevant to us. Reese Hoskins went to Milwaukee. I thought that would have been a great fit uh just a big right right-handed power bat uh help like give Casas some break set first let him dh them but he's in milwaukee now they i think it was like a one-year 17 mil contract essentially Mm -hmm. with an opt-out so that's something they could have done the big name josh Hader, went to houston i want to say it was like 595 uh which is wild because houston rarely spends but now they're the back of their bullpen is stacked, and now some teams that were heavily in the hater sweepstakes might be in the Kenley sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. Um, a team that's one of the teams definitely not in the Kenley sweepstakes anymore. Uh, uh, the Angels signed Robert Stevenson and Matt Moore, two people who I thought would have been. Very solid addition to the bullpen. Stevenson's the righty and Matt Moore lefty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then old friend James Paxton went to the Dodgers. Uh, once again, I'm glad that they, you know, they're adding to that team. They definitely can use the help. Um, they're probably going to have like a six man rotation at this point. <laughs> and yeah, probably. I would say all six pitchers over like. Maybe not Bayo, but <laughs> number two. The rest of them. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, oh, God. It's, it's bad. It's just so depressing seeing, like, I, he went for, like, 12 mil, something like that. You can't do that. He was just in Boston. You couldn't have just convinced him yeah. not to move across the country. Yeah. Even though I he, mean, he is a West Coast guy. Yeah, it just blows my mind, and I'm gonna I'm making myself mad all over again. Um, but like, the issue was so glaringly pitching last year. Mm-hmm. Like, really, when it boils down to it, like that team at the trade deadline was a fringe playoff team if they had more pitching. Mm-hmm. And going into the off season, it was well known. Like, we need to improve our pitching. And what have we done? Traded Chris Sale, let Paxton walk, and our only starting pitcher on the roster is Brian Bayo. Mm-hmm. Well, Bayo and Giolito <laughs> are like, your whoa. Bayo oh, and Giolito are your only starters, and then you have like five swingmen competing for the rest of those spots. I honestly forgot that we even signed Giolito. It's been such a depressing off season. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's been like you trade, you sign him. To trade Chris Sale, mm-hmm. which is just like I, I keep saying it, but you you basically just stood in place because you yeah. added a pitcher to get rid of a pitcher, and yeah. you could have just used them both 
Honestly, yeah. You, I mean, I I do like I did I do like the idea of the Chris Sale trade, and I don't think it was a bad thing yeah. to to make that move. But imagine imagine where we the the Red Sox offseason would be if we kept if we signed Giglio, kept Sale, and re-signed Paxton. I mean, that's a totally fine starter starting lineup right there. Yeah, like obviously there's and still then you the add like a Pavetta. Mm-hmm. Right. There's or always going to be the injury that. concern. Yeah. Or Crawford gets that final spot. But now you're looking at like Crawford and Pavetta and one of Hauk, Whitlock, um, and Winkowski being a starter. And it, like last year, Hauk and Whitlock were both hurt for a majority of the season. And Pavetta, mm-hmm. for everything well that he did out of the bullpen, was a pretty rough starter. Um,. Mm-hmm. you know heading into him being demoted to the the bullpen that's the thing it's it like i get it and i I'm, it, this is why i don't like talking about it because i keep just saying the same things over and over yeah. you have two starters and f- currently like five swing men just who you hope can give you five can innings a on a given day <laughs> like Jeez. we've seen we've seen like ample evidence that they can't but Again, the hope is that uh, Andrew Bailey is going to fix not one of them, all not of two them. of them, all of them. Yeah. Plus, uh, not only like fixing the bullpen, plus helping develop, you know, young guys. It's like, yeah, well, all right. Yeah, um, but <laughs> it's not all bad. Uh, well, uh, could, well, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. Um, it's no. just—it's just funny to me that like they have to trot one of these guys out once every five games over the course of what? How long? Is, how many games is the MLB season? One sixty-two, Mister Rendon. Yeah, we're not shorting it. <laughs> <laughs> so once out of every five games for one hundred and sixty-two games, you have to trot these guys out to the mound to help deliver your team a win and you're like can you give yeah. me three <laughs> <laughs> well because i was thinking about it too it's just like at at best because i'm looking i'm looking at the roster resource uh on fan graphs and they have cutter and hauk getting the last two uh spots which would mean whitlock mm. and winkowski are in the bullpen Mm-hmm. They've made it very clear that they want to keep those guys stretched out. Like, do you think that? I think Winkowski in particular, because uh, he, he's—I mean—they still have options. Both of them still have at least two options left. Maybe they just get sent down to start in AAA and Jesus. hope that they figure. <laughs> is, is this what we're talking about now? <laughs> what? Well, you know, oh. no, because guess guess who the pitchers they're linked to are. It's been coming out recently. They've been linked to Jacob Junis, Ryan Stanek, and Cody Hewer instead of you know like the who? Yeah. Hey, but hey, man, Jacob Junis, his brother's the Triple A bullpen coach. So who? <laughs> Come on, guys! Like real needle movers. I'll tell you what. No, nothing against any of these dudes, but like, I'll tell you this: none of them are starters. 
No. <laughs> like, they might have starts here and there, but, like, none They're of these people... Every... They're not a guy that you trot out once every five games and say, Mm -hmm. we trust you to bring us to a win. We like our odds better than not. But no, I know Ryan Stanek, he's just like another righty power arm, which, let's be honest, they don't need that right now. No. Like, they can, sure, they can add depth, especially if they trade Kenley, but it's just like, look, you have Winkowski, if he stays up, that's a power arm. Whitlock, power arm. Schreiber. I think he's more finesse at this point, but Justin Slayton, power arm. Brian Mata, power arm. All righties, too. I'm thinking, like, and I was thinking, too, like, we had a pretty good bullpen last year, mm-hmm. and who have we lost? We've uh, uh, Richard Blyer and uh, Joely Rodriguez. That's it. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> and then, like, a bunch of, like, the French guys who were, like, called up. Like, why are we why are we going after more relief pitchers when we had a pretty decent bullpen last year? I swear to and, God, like, no it, pieces have moved. <laughs> I swear to God, if the thought process is like, let's get Jacob Junis so he can compete for a rotation spot, when you have four Jacob Junises at home, <laughs> literally. It, <laughs> it's like that meme. <laughs> Like, hey mom, can we have, can we buy Jacob Junis? <laughs> it's like, it's, no, it's like, hey, no, we got- <laughs> no, we have Jacob Junis at home, and it's just all of those guys. Yeah, except it'd be like the mom getting Jacob Junis at McDonald's, and then them coming home, and there's just like already like four Jacob Junises <laughs> sitting at the table. <laughs> it's, it's that Spider-Man so, meme of them all pointing yeah. at each other, like Jacob Junis. <laughs> well, because. It, as it's come out recently as well, the the Jordan Montgomery uh, market might have actually somehow shrunk because Texas signed David Robertson to like twelve mil closer, and they they were already like they were one of the teams whose TV deals were a bit uncertain, so they didn't really have the most money to offer. Mm-hmm. So everybody has been saying, "Hey." You know where he'd be a great fit? Boston. You know what the Red Sox are saying? Nah. <laughs> no thank you. No. <laughs> I this. mean, I get it in if their strategy is to really wait him out. Because yeah. at this point, how we're like less than a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. And none of the Boris clients are signed. Mm-hmm. And, and they they well, I mean, it's January twenty eighth right now. It's only like three days until uh, February, so it's it's not like yeah. they have to, they're going to be waiting like a ton longer, especially now that pitchers and catchers are going to start reporting in like three weeks. Um, yeah, so but it's I like, mean, but th- like if the market has shrunk enough to a point where it's really just the Red Sox who are serious about. I say serious in quotes, but like (laughs) actually linked to Jordan Montgomery, the idea to wait it out and be like, all right, like, look, here's what the market is. Here's what we can give you that. I mean, it makes sense, but I really don't even get the sense that they're doing it. I I really truly feel like they're just looking at and saying, we're good. Nah, We like, we're good. We got Jakob Yunus. (laughs) (laughs) We don't even have him yet. (laughs) It's the thing. It's just like, well, yes, that's what if the te- if the Rangers can't 
uh, offer him the same money. That obviously benefits the Red Sox if they were willing to be competitive. The mm. thing is, there's still teams who are, you could probably say are also waiting it out. Like the Giants yeah. are a team who they could definitely add another starter. The Angels could add another starter. Um, yep. I know Seattle was linked to uh, Blake Snell, and they were uh, might be looking to trade one of their back-end guys. But it's just like, yes, you can wait it out, but you're not the only team. It's not like... Uh, at the end of the day, it's just like the dance floor and like everyone's like partnering up. And Jordan Montgomery is just like like the girl looking around like, oh, I have no one to dance with. And the Red Sox are just like the only guy sitting on the bleacher. Like, no, there's like five other guys just sitting on that bleacher. Yeah. And they are yep. all much more attractive than you. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just want to point out, too, I just saw this on um, from Jeff Passan. That like it has gotten to a point in this offseason where now the big news is uh, the the Tigers locking up their top top prospect uh, Colt Keith through twenty thirty two. That's the big news in, in baseball free agency right now. So you and, know what would be a great thing to shake up the offseason would be extend sign process. a pitcher. Oh well, <laughs> no, no sign a pitcher. <laughs> well, yes, but that's what I'm what I'm pointing to is. All these teams are locking up their young guys, and then when anyone asks, like, uh, Casas or Bayo if, like, the Red Sox even, like, brought it up, they're like, "Mm, they they said they might like to, and I've heard nothing since. Yep. Which Yeah, I don't really know what their direction is. Maybe spring training, though, they can work something out. I know Catillo was saying that that's usually when that type of talks happen, but it's just like... You can't say that your enti- your your team building philosophy is like having this young core and then like supplementing it through free agency if you're not going to do everything you can to keep your young core. Right. I mean, if you're not going to build through free agency and mm-hmm. you're saying we're going to lock up our young core and then you don't lock up the young core, what are you, what doing? Are you doing? It's like <laughs> so as a Colts fan, we have never really we Ever since Chris Ballard has taken over, we have never been free agency players. Uh, mm. Just they're very like, here's our price. Take it if you want it. If you get a bit more, don't don't ask for us to match it. Which feels like what the Red Sox are doing. Except instead of instead of uh, them being like, we're not going to match it. It's like no, we're actually going to offer you less now. We had. Yeah. We had uh, two twenty eight for Teoscar, but once uh, once uh, the Dodgers called, it's like, mm, you know what? What about one for ten? Would you take that, please? Would you come I, play I, for us for free? We're really strapped on cash. By the way, I just made that up. <laughs> that there's been no reports that they do that, but yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Um, yep. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, you just have to lock up your core, and just even for like the culture aspect. If you mm. can, like, just because that's what I was getting to with the Colts part, like, they, they are very good at locking up their players. Um, and it does wonders for the locker room when it's like, hey, you play well for us, we will reward you. Yeah, right. Instead of, like, just making them fight for a contract every single year. Oh, you're our best player. Maybe we'll extend you. Maybe we'll let you walk. Maybe we'll just trade you to the Dodgers. Who knows? Ooh. I don't know. We're just little guys. Anyways, speaking of young core, we got we got to talk about the infield. Yes, 
<laughs> Enough dilly dallying. So mm, our quick hit segment took a half hour. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so start. This is just gonna be four parts. Uh, starting today with the infield. Um, for those of you who are unaware, that involves the catcher, first base, second base, third base, and shortstop. Next time we'll talk outfield and we'll include DH in there as well. We'll do starters and then the bullpen. Um, so starting with catchers, Connor Wong was the primary starter. Uh, played 126 games. He hit 235 with a 288 on base, 385 slug, which was good for a 673 OPS, which is below average. Uh, slug nine dingers and drove in 36. Um, with him, and I want to, I'm going to share a screen with you so you can at least see the, um, the, his baseball savant page, because there is a a healthy amount of blue on it in in terms of offense. Mm. Um, you know, Connor Wong, he's not going to be like a high average high power catcher um you know the the barrel rate the the exit velocity was closer to average but at the end of the day he he does strike out a lot he doesn't walk a lot um what you do get out of him is the arm Mm. uh i remember early on in the year especially that Orioles series, like, starting off, it was like they could not throw out a base runner for their life. Like, they were just getting run on, like, to oblivion. And then, like, Connor Wong was started catching more, and it was just like, oh, he's gunning guys out. Mm-hmm. Like, he had a very fast pop time. It was, like, 1.92 seconds. Um, his caught stealing, he was in the 90th percentile of caught stealing above average five more times than the average um uh so like offensively you're never going to get much out of your catcher but at least with the defense he w- he could control the run game a bit better he he was uh, look uh, aside from the advanced metrics he he was a solid catcher and mm-hmm. he also spent how many months as the everyday I, I am catching every single game catcher mm-hmm. without any because Reese was hurt. Mm-hmm. Having to call up like Jorge Alfaro and Caleb Hamilton who had no business mm-hmm. catching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the team was like markedly worse when those guys were catching. Easily. I mean, the, the, the defense as a whole was just atrocious, but. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I, got, I got a bit of a, a hot. A hot take about that stuff. We'll talk about it. All right. Uh, but I just remember the Jorge Alfaro. Like, I think he was trying to throw someone out a second. He just threw it to the center field wall. Um, <clears throat> like, it was just a non-competitive play by yeah. solely his own doing. Yep. Um, but then we also had Reese McGuire. He hit 267, 310 on base, 358 slug. Uh, good for a 668 OPS, so again, below average. Um, one one home run, 16 runs driven in in 72 games. I mean, that's that's pretty solid for like a backup catcher. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yes, like no pop whatsoever. Um, but 310 on base is very good, especially when like catchers are just hitting in the nine hole or the eight hole. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. getting on base for like Duran next year or if it's going to be someone else. Yep. Um, now with him, uh, the arm was not great. Uh, part of the reason why like the Red Sox were getting run on a was the the new pitch clock rule, but B and the pickoff rules and whatnot, but also because he just wasn't throwing anyone out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talked, or I know I talked about it. Like him and Brian Bayo, like are the bestest of friends, and I think that says something too, like how he calls a game. Mm-hmm. I think pitchers are very comfortable throwing to him, which if. At the very worst, if you can't hit and you're not throwing guys out like Martin Maldonado, he like he's not a great catcher by any means, but like every time like like a player talks about him, it's just like I love throwing to him. He's my guy. I just feel like we're always in sync. Yeah. I think that's that's something you definitely can't underrate, especially in a year like this where you're just gonna be trying out like every option at pitcher with a new pitching coach um but yeah not much offensively defensively the metrics aren't going to show like that impact he had yeah um so do we want to talk like 2024 predictions for for that group yeah so um I think it's more of a hot take than a prediction, but I I think Roberto Perez, he was a uh minor league free agent signing, but he was like a platinum go- glove catcher for like the Pirates for a while and Giants too. I think he's going to get a lot of games up in in the base. Oh yeah. Whether that's okay. injury or if like someone gets traded. Interesting. Mhm. I think with I think they're projecting a lot of guys to take a step up with the bat to the point where like if you do have like a black hole at catcher but they are like amazing defensively, they're willing to do that. Fair enough. Um what about you? So knowing that, where would you going into, you know, spring training and stuff like that, how do you rank? Like where do you what, what letter grade do you give our um our catchers based on you know all just this, the stats the projections the the fact that you think roberto perez is actually going to contribute at a big league level what do you give them as a letter grade going into spring training uh probably a d um mm. maybe like a c minus like something passable but like obviously it's just like the umbrella or not even the umbrella it's like the the elephant in the room like we're waiting for teal mm-hmm. like no matter what they yeah. do it's like this is gonna be teal's job in 2025 or late in 24 so it's yep. just like can we get there and yep. i i do think it's in like the worst it's not it's not the worst in the league but i wouldn't say it's i would say it's closer to the worst than it is the best um mm-hmm. Steamer projects them to be like 28th out of 30, which might be a bit aggressive, but 
Yeah. I mean, I, I was I was going to say like just a solid C. Mm-hmm. So I think we're kind of on the same page. I think, you know, I give them a bit of the benefit of the, of the doubt just purely based off the defensive metrics between Maguire and, and Wong and mm-hmm. Perez if he's playing like a significant amount of games. At the very least, they'll be able to mix in like guys who are aren't going to throw games purely based on their uh, their defense their defense right yeah and I, I agree with that i think offensively i think we'll know what we're going to get it's not going to be anything mm-hmm. special but i think the best case scenario is we like by like june it's just like they're not great but you know, no problems there like yeah they strike right. out a bunch but like it's fine right um all right moving on to first base unless you have anything else you want to add nope i'm good um first base a bit more a bit more exciting um thanks to one man uh tristan (laughs) casas so yes sir casas he had a slow start to the year but really picked it up towards like may june i think more towards june but to the point where he was like one of the best hitters period not just rookies, not just first baseman, just best period. Um, he finished with 132 games played, batted 263 with a 367 on base, 490 slug, good for an 857 OPS, 24 dingers, 65 RBIs. Um, I got to share his savant page, and it's almost the exact opposite. Look at all that red. Woof! 92 in uh, expected weighted on-base average. Uh, 89th in expected slugging. Barreling the shit out of it. Hit, uh, hard, hit, hard hit rate in the 81st percentile. Walk rate, that's huge. Especially because he's 92. probably... 92. 93. Um, 93, sorry. That's <laughs> a, a nitpick, but... Um, <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> uh Especially because he's probably going to be hitting fourth. Um, mm-hmm. That's, I think he's going to keep getting more comfortable at the plate, like we saw him, you know, more towards July and August. Um, and I think he's going to be an absolute force. I agree. Uh, like he he had a one twenty nine WRC plus, which is weighted runs created, which basically is like how good of a hitter are you like removing any like ballpark whether any kind of factors that might benefit you just purely how good of a hitter and he's 29 percent better than the average player as a hitter mm. the defense was a bit of a struggle mm. i think but fir- i think first base is a position where you just have to get your feet wet to it um have yeah. you ever seen the movie Moneyball? Of course. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> it's very easy uh to pick up first base, tell him wash. <laughs> it's extremely hard. <laughs> um yeah. No. But I think it's just a comfort thing. It'll help having other defenders uh. who can throw the ball to him. Um <laughs> Yeah, that helps. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to them, but um I think he's going to be a factor in the four hole the entire year. Oh, a hundred percent. 
And I it, like mm-hmm. the, I am so on the Tristan Casas train beyond the you're like the advanced metrics guy. And normally I love dealing with stats, but just the eye watching, test too. I test all this off season, seeing all these workout the videos vibes. of him. Just the vibes, you know. They just had the 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 uh, uh, the profile on him about how he loves to paint his nails and sh- and mm-hmm. like with his mom. He's just right, and he's just a good leader already in the locker room, and mm-hmm. people love him. And he's showing up to rookie camps even though he doesn't have to. And mm-hmm. it's just this is a guy that like you want to build your franchise around because he's just an all around good person, true leader. Great stats. I mean, there's nothing bad about this dude. Yeah, no, the defense just, is a little suspect, but he's also he was a rookie last year. It's it yeah, get he better. Was, he was 24. Like, yeah, he's my age, and yeah. Um, but I think it's just he's going to get more comfortable. I the, one of the reasons why we've been hammering home why they need to add like a big right hand bat is for his protection. If they can put, if they had, if they had like a Jorge Soler hitting him between him and Devers, there's a good chance that they might pitch to Soler instead of Devers. Maybe Soler gets out. But then you'd still have uh, guys on base for Casas in the four hole. Mm-hmm. They'd have to pitch to him, essentially. Yeah. Um, so. And he's shown that he has a very good eye at the plate. Oh, yeah. Obviously, 93rd percentile mm-hmm. walk rate. That was like his big thing coming up was that he was extremely disciplined at the plate. Yeah, and he, I would even say, especially in like the first month, like April May, when he was struggling, it was because he was a bit too selective. Even like yeah. he he would let the counts go to like o two one two before like he actually started to like look to swing, mm-hmm. which is I think that's a good strategy to have. Uh, especially maybe like early in the game when you're still seeing what the pitchers got, especially late in the game once they're a bit more tired and you're like, you want them to throw you more pitches. But once he became a bit more aggressive, like jumping on those mistakes, that's when he really showed what he was capable of. Uh, his backup, though, <laughs> somehow, ah, yes, somehow still hanging around, Mr. Bobby Dalbeck. Uh, he got a little stint in at the end of the year, um, a little stint at the beginning of the year, but he played 114 games in Worcester, Worcester, uh, Worcester. he hit 269, 381, 557, good for a 938, uh, OPS, 33 home runs, led AAA, or at least led the Eastern League with 79 RBIs. You're like, oh, wow. Why is that guy in AAA? Struck out a third of the time. Over a third yeah. of the time. I'll tell you what, man. Bobby Dahlbeck is the greatest quadruple A player in the league. Listen, at, the best Red Sox teams are when they just have like a guy who is mashing in AAA who has no shot in the majors. Like with, yeah. Whether it was Franchi or Ruzne, you just have to have like the wonder of Worcester. Yeah, and I'll um, tell you what. I went to one Worcester Red Sox game last season. Went to one, and I, to his credit, he is really trying everything to get back to the major league roster. He was playing yeah. every position known to man, trying every all sorts of different things. Oh, yeah, Played was- third base this game. He had five errors. <laughs> <laughs> the 
that's the thing too that is just so baffling to me. Like when everyone's like, oh, they don't need like a right hand bat. Like you know, Dahlbeck's still around, and he has positional versatility. You know, like he can he can play third base. He could play. He's got some games that's <laughs> short. He can play the outfield. And it's like, at what point do you? Do you want someone good at those spots, though? Yeah, right. Like, yes, being, like, being versatile is fine. It's great. But, like, yeah. being bad and versatile is, like, what are we even doing here? Yeah, he literally, in that game, he mashed a home run, I'm pretty sure, but also had five errors in the outfield, and they and the, the Woosocks lost. Mm-hmm. And it, um, I, I don't know if you can still see his Savant page, but... um. Oh, I can. Yeah, he didn't qualify as an MLB player because, you know, he only had 49 at-bats, but struck out over half of the in, of those at-bats. Woo! Uh, he's, he, it's, it's a, it'll go down as, like, one of the biggest misses in not trading him after 2021. Mm-hmm. Why he's still on the roster to this point, he seems like a great guy. That's the best I can say. Yeah, and again, this is no shade to to Mr. Dahlbeck himself. Like, sure, he is a great guy, but the on the stats, the on the field performance is what we're purely what we're looking at. Yeah, and especially um, because like, uh, they're probably gonna have a four man bench. It, it's probably gonna be Reese. It'll probably be Ref Snyder, uh, unless he gets moved on from, which we'll get to next time. Mm. And then Pablo Reyes, Valdez, and Bob are gonna fight mm-hmm. for that, and then whichever outfielder is not DHing, I guess too. Yep. Um, I just I don't see the avenue for him to do anything meaningful with the Red Sox this year. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, and, so before we move uh, on to that rating, mm-hmm. give me your letter grade for the that group uh, going uh, into twenty twenty four. B plus, yeah. I just I I hope to see a bit more from Casas in terms of defense. Like if he can get a bit more comfortable, uh. But I have no qualms about his bat. I think that's mm-hmm. a bat that's going to live in, in the four hole, maybe the three hole, depending on how they decide to build out the rest of the lineup. Um. But, yep. yeah, I think he'll be good. I give it. I give it an A purely based off of. Oh, the vibe. The, it's an A plus vibe. I'll, I'll put it that. Well, much. and even like if Casas is what he was last year, it's an A. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's an everyday first baseman who can mash, and and not just mash, but also doesn't strike out at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is that is an A. Just yeah, right there. So. All right, second base. What once was a black hole, maybe <laughs> now we'll get a bit more clarity. Yep. We have, obviously, we talked about it earlier. The Chris Sale trade brought in Von Grissom. All the reports are that he's going to step in and at least be given, like, the first shot at uh, securing the job. Mm-hmm. He played 102 games in AAA Equinet. He hit 330, 419, 501. Good for a 921 OPS, which is great, especially at I've everything I've read is that that stadium just is t- a terrible hitters park. Mm-hmm. Um, 
eight home runs, 61 RBIs. And then you also have N. Manuel Valdez, who got like, I would say more than a cup of coffee uh, last year. Um, I, I'm going based off like where they play most of their games. He played 57 games in Worcester, hitting 254, 388, 476. I forgot to put in his OPS. My bad. Um, <laughs> quick, <laughs> quick math. It's in the 800s. Probably, mm-hmm. actually, I think closer to 900. But 10 home runs, 41 RBIs. Now, both of these guys, mostly Valdez in particular, the defense is shaky. Um, but Grissom... 864, by the way, is his OPS. 864, thank you. Uh, they're projecting him to play 123 games. And by they, I mean Steamer. That's where I get all my projections from, from Fangraphs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're expecting him to play 123 games at second base for us, mm-hmm. which, especially after, like, ever since PD uh, got killed by Machado, I feel like we really <laughs> haven't had like a steady presence at second base. Yeah. Like a true everyday second baseman. They've tried uh Arroyo. Arroyo is now a brewer, I believe, because he just could not hang. Um mm-hmm. Yu Chang gang. You know. And we'll, we'll Oh, get you mean s- the guy who literally either hit a absolute bomb or struck out and there was n- literally no in between? Mhm. Uh, and just like David Hamilton, just, they, they tried a lot out. I think the biggest, Mm -hmm. the only thing that I am truly looking for is consistency here. Uh, like Grissom, he's, I think we say he'll be like 23, 24 when the season rolls around younger than us. His big thing in Atlanta was he just never got the opportunity to like Mm -hmm. really, uh, cement a spot. Given how the expectations for this year are like through the floor, just let him have all the run. Yeah. At best, you have your uh, you have your second baseman locked up for six years. At worst, he's like a serviceable utility man because like he he can hit. Mm-hmm. It, not a ton of power like he's not going to be like a simian type at second base where he's like breaking records but you know 10 15 Don't home runs it. yeah especially as a right-hander like we all remember his first home run just pimped gloriously over the monster mm-hmm. um i think they'll work with him with his bat speed because i need to share my screen once again uh if you look at his he didn't get a, a ton of run in the bigs uh 75 at bats but a lot going the opposite way i think uh i think it was on Sox prospects they talked about how his bat speed's a little slow they'll fix that get a better spray Mm -hmm. chart going i got hold for him he'll be a a very solid everyday second baseman Mm -hmm. and with with valdez he's shown that he could just mash righties He's got great pop. Like his his offense, like I honestly don't have a ton of concern. Like yeah. the stri- the strikeout rate is kind of like par for the course with this team. Walk rate same. 
it's just can he find a home defensively whether that's second or uh, third but I think we'll get much better production out of the uh, second baseman this year that's my prediction no I I agree and I mean it'll be interesting because they're in a situation where they by their own design are able to give run to young guys Mm mm-hmm so it's like you know I, I do I agree with you in, in throwing the the reins at, at Grism especially and saying look you know you do we're gonna help you succeed as best we can and and you do your thing and mm-hmm. if and it doesn't then we'll work see what happens we'll, yeah if it doesn't work here we're gonna find a better home for you um, mm-hmm. you know he was playing left field and like winter ball so maybe that's something they explore mm-hmm. especially because again by their own accord they aren't looking to trade Meyer for I think again it was really interesting that they brought Nick York out for like the like at winter weekend he was like fielding questions as well feels like he might not get traded too even though well I think mm-hmm. he, he still gets traded I just think it's not going to be soon mm-hmm. um, but they have a ton of middle infield coming up through the minors so it's a good problem to have Oh yeah. Um, yep. Um, all right. So, any, where would you? Uh, what would you rate the squad going into spring training? I'm gonna give it an optimistic B minus. Mm. I, I think, think we are right on the same page on that. Mm-hmm. Like, again, the defense is gonna be the what's worth looking at, but I think both of those guys can hit at least. Yeah, it wasn't Vaughn Grissom. A, he was a good defender, anyways. He wasn't a great defender. Um, well, they it was because they tried him out at short. He didn't really have yes. the range for it. Didn't like the arm. I don't really buy into like the arm metrics. Like, yeah, a lot of good def- like Trevor. Uh, not Trevor. Well, Trevor's story didn't have a great arm, but he was perfectly fine over at short. Uh, mm-hmm. Dansby Swanson is an, uh, like a great defensive shortstop, and he doesn't have like a super strong arm, so mm-hmm. I don't really care. I think though, like the floor for Grissom is like average, I'd say at second. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Moving on to third base, uh, All right. going numerically, if you will. Um, you know, little guy named uh, Rafi Devers holding down the holding down the position. I don't know if you heard of him. Uh, mm. Yep, hit two seventy one in one hundred fifty three games. Uh, two seventy one, three fifty one on base, five hundred slug. Good for eight fifty one OPS. Uh, Thirty three home runs, a hundred RBIs. I mean, what what else can we say about Rafi? I, I mean, mean, he's he's proven at least at the plate what he can do week in week out. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not for him. I mean, it's tough to to talk about like, I mean, like, oh, you know, how's it? it it's, you know what you're gonna get with Rafi, but that's also where I'm concerned about Rafi is that that defense is still just so so bad. Yeah, it, I'm going to put the reason it's so bad is because he is very good on like 
the insanely hard plays where he has to like dive mm-hmm. to his left, dive to his right, come in charging. More often than not, I'm like, okay, he's going to make that play. Where I get worried is like a ground ball hit right at him. Yeah, he might he might bobble it, he might boot it, and then he's he really might throw it a mile over the the first baseman. Oh, that's the thing. If he boots it or bobbles it, all, you can almost bank that that ball is going to end up in like the fifth row because uh, <laughs> yeah. he's just he's going to like try to rush a throw over. Um, yep. I think with Story, he looked better with Story back. I think he's always just been more comfortable with like a rangier shortstop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that that will help. Like he, he ranked third in, uh, outs above average or in the third percentile, I mean, which is as a, as an analytics guy, that is uh bad. Um, yeah, <laughs> that is really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh um, God. But he's still only 27. He's, he, it's been here for fucking six years, and he's still only twenty-seven. <laughs> we keep. I just love that. That's the. It's like it's he's, still, he's only twenty-six. Yeah, <laughs> he's only eighteen. Uh, yeah. Um. Oh man. But I'm. I'm honestly. Again, I'm. I'm a bit more bullish on him. I think is the appropriate finance term. Mm. I. I think like. His off. This was probably like one of his weaker offensive seasons. I I would say like, and he still yeah. mashed thirty three dingers over a hundred RBIs. Um, yep. So like, <laughs> well, not over a hundred. He had a hundred. <laughs> well, yeah, but then he had he, exactly one hundred RBIs. <laughs> yeah, but looking ahead, like next year, I think he'll definitely have more. Um, mm. I think he clears the hundred mark with ease. Yeah. Um, the average, I think he's still going to be hitting high two eighties, um, 30 home runs lock. It feels like, like he's, he's one of the best third basemen in the game. Top 10, I'd say. Mm. Where do uh, you, even, uh, rank the position then? What do you, uh, what do you grade the position? I give it an A. Like, mm. I would say this is the strongest outside of like, Maybe the bullpen as a whole, this is, like, the strongest. Like, this is the most optimistic I am with anyone on this team. Yeah. See, I am less on that, and this is kind of where my hot take comes in, is I'm more towards the B range on on third base only because of the defense. You know, well, I know what, what, what Devers is going to do at the plate, but at what point does the defense re- – I mean – you you're, you see the, the the numbers. I mean, he was in the third percentile in outs above average. He can't play defense. And it's been now seven seasons in the majors, and he still can't play. And every year we go into the offseason, we go into the season saying, all right, he's going to take the jump now. He's going to do it, and it just doesn't happen. And I want him to so bad. I want him to make that leap and become a good defensive third baseman while also providing all the stuff that he does, but I, he just hasn't proven it. And so that's where I'm like, I'm more concerned. It's still good. I'm still at like BP plus range, but I just can't move it into the A range without, without seeing improvement on the defense. Counterpoint. 
we talk all about how like getting Andrew Bailey is going to do wonders for the pitching staff because like Dave Bush, it was kind of like, what are you doing here? Like no one took a took that leap. Yeah, uh, Carlos Fables is out. He was the infield coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, or like the you know infield defensive coach. He's gone. Mm-hmm. I believe Andy Fox is now taking over like that kind of uh, that role. Again, he looked better with Story playing. I think the defense will never be good. I think he'll never be a Gold Glove candidate. I don't even need but him to be. A, I need him to be average. I, I think he can be close to average if if his Story is healthy. If that happens, then I'll be happily surprised. But after it's, seeing it's seven ask. seasons of it, it it is it is not my assumption that that is going to happen I, so. i'm a believer i think i think rafi will can take that I next hope. step i hope um, man. i really do so you said you're in the b range b b plus range like still still good still solid but i i just need to see more more on the defensive end yeah i mean i don't think that he's i know a lot of people are like he's got a dh now like Rafi's not going to de- it's co- not going to come in the next 3 years. That's that's my hot take. Mm. Um unless they have someone who is just like a whiz with the glove. Like they're not going to move him if like if they're trying to find a role for like Grissom and York, they're not going to move Rafi to DH for them. Mm-hmm. But if like they're not going to sign Matt Chapman, but if there was like a Matt Chapman type glove available t- for them, yeah, I could see it. Mm-hmm. But they don't have that option in house. That it's not going to be Bob, as as <laughs> <laughs> no. I think he'll be a primary third baseman for at least three years. Once he gets into his thirties, then then I think it's going to be more likely. But until then. All right. All right. Let's wrap it up with shortstop. Uh, Trevor Story got 43 games in. Didn't look great at the plate. 203, 250, 316 for 566 OPS. Three home runs, 14 RBIs. Honestly, uh, last year was a wash for him. Yeah, I'm not even going to try and judge based on the stats. The only thing I cared about is that he looked phenomenal at short. Because that, mm-hmm. that was the question. It was, ever once he was brought in, it was like, okay, can't like will the arm play at short? Like They got him in at second. He had the surgery. Didn't get it up until like a bit later. He only played, um, he had 158 at-bats, which sounds like a lot, but that is like bench level at bat numbers um healthy i think we see like he's had a healthy off season for the first time since he's got here um this is this is the most optimistic in terms of uh like improvement i think i'll be on a position like i think trevor story mm-hmm. gets back to close to Colorado Trevor story. I agree. You know, his arm is finally healthy. He doesn't have to worry about it. He doesn't have to try and come back mid season and ramp up like late in the year. 
mm-hmm. to what you know with all that expectation because you know we got to remember too the thing about what the Red Sox did to him and what they're doing to uh, our young guys now is that they said don't worry guys we're not going to make any moves because we got Trevor coming back yeah dude that's, that's don't always... worry. I, I and then it's like you, you put undue pressure on on a guy to come back from a major injury and be like, yeah, well, now yeah. you're back and you have to perform right away. It's like, what, two, three years in a row. It's like we're not going to make mm-hmm. moves because you know what? Our trade, dead li- tra- trade deadline acquisition is going to be he- tra- healthy Trevor Story, healthy Chris Sale. And yeah. Like it, it already feels like they're gonna they're putting a lot of pressure on him now. Like mm-hmm. they they aren't getting a big right hand bat. Like it might it's gonna be fucking Adam Duvall and Adam Duvall. For all like all due respect to him, it's not a number three hitter. Mm. Like six, five or six maybe, but three. This is the baseball purist in me. Three is reserved for like your best hitter, mm-hmm. which. Uh, and now the game has changed, so like normally that'd be Rafi, but I think the the stats would show that at, hitting second is where they get the most at bats with guys on, which is why you see a lot of other teams put their best hitter at second. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're hoping that he is that the the uh, third bat in the order type. Um, a lot of pressure but i think with a fully healthy offseason i think he can handle like, it and I, i'm talking fully healthy like his arm is healed he has no worries on that he's been yeah. fully ramped up for an entire offseason i don't have a worry about that the guy's mm-hmm. an all-star there's no doubt about it he mm-hmm. knows how to Gold handle that candidate. pressure right so i don't think there's an issue with that now that he's like healthy mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, because yeah, too. Um, a part of the reason why those the offensive numbers were so bad is like he just could not get his timing down with fastballs. Mm-hmm. Like they just, I don't know if he should have just been shut down the entire year, uh, just to try to like um, get fully healthy, get fully ramped back up. Um, but he just did not look like he he was playing in the league before how he was like handling fastballs and then trying to mm-hmm. hit like off speed mm-hmm. um but yeah this is where i think trevor story's back to i don't think he'll be like a 300 hitter or like even a 280 but if you can give me two 260 270 average with 20 home runs 20 doubles he's a, Let's not forget, too. He's very fast. So mm. if he can steal, like, 15 bags, too, that'd be sick. He's gotten 20 before. If he can have, like, a 20-20-20 season, I don't, I don't know if that's super common. I I'm, I don't, but maybe he can do it. Yeah. We will, uh, we will have to see. But I, I'm mm-hmm. hopeful for, for Trevor. I am, too. Uh, last and not least according to this fan base uh his backup the legendary pablo reyes mm. um as cora once famously said he's just not an everyday player and then he proceeded to hit 287 339 377 slug 716 ops 
two home runs, one of which was a glorious walk-off. Um, yeah, literally, the man had no home runs except for when he pimped two grand slams in back-to-back at-bats. That was... Uh, <laughs> That was oh, was him. that? No, that, that was, was Urias. Who was that? Oh, yes. But yeah, yep, that was, that's right. Yeah. Um, my bad. My bad. They all blend together. <laughs> all, yeah, the, I, all the role the, players. I completely forgot about him, too, when I was listing off all yeah. the second baseman they tried. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Pablo... I, I Pablo's, I think, a lock to be on the bench... Because mm-hmm. I think he gives you the versatility you want out of Bob. Like mm-hmm. they he they had him play first a bit in uh in the minors, like when he was coming back from injury. Uh he's only five eight, so I don't think they uh that's a good idea to have him at first, but he could play the outfield a bit. I think short, second, third, he can handle with comfort. Um Surprising, even though he didn't have he didn't qualify again, but like the chase rate, whiff rate, and uh, K rate, all they look they don't uh, if you don't qualify on Savant, they don't give you like the percentile, but he is like close to like like he he's probably in that ninetieth or high eightieth percentile, um, which again is like probably the best you can ask for in a bench bat. It's just. Don't strike out if we need you to step in. Again, not mm-hmm. a lot of power, but he gets on base. Gets on base. Be a good vibe guy. Pimp a couple of walk offs for us, and you're a legend here. Yep. Um, where do, what what do you have shortstop graded as? It's. I'm trying to be optimistic. I want to say like the B B minus range. You have to play the realism card though, because I do. I am playing the realism card. I think I truly believe that story gets back to all star level, mm-hmm. which is why I want to say like B B minus in that range. Um, and ideally, you don't have to use Pablo a whole lot. Yeah, if I think pa- story is like your everyday shortstop. Mm-hmm. I think Pablo is going to be the guy who kind of bounces around when they want to give like Rafi a day at DH or just an off day, and mm-hmm. then um, they. I think they do bring in someone else too, maybe as like a a bit more proven of a first baseman, not Bob, but um, just someone to help with Casas if when he mm-hmm. needs a break. Um, but. I have no complaints out of him. No complaints out of like any of the backups, and Reese, Pablo, and Valdez. Yeah. Um. So I I think I. Hmm, I might lean C plus. C plus. Oh, interesting. But it's got upside to be a B plus. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be like the top one of the best shortstop in the game, but I think Story will definitely be. People, I think, come like July, people are going to be like, "Shit, man! Like, where was this Trevor Story the first two years?" Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, 
You know, it just it's it's wild thinking about what could have been with this infield. Thinking mm-hmm. like if you think about it, we could have had. I mean, we would have had Cassis coming up through, mm-hmm. and then Devers, and we signed Trevor Story. And if we had just, if we just kept Xander, that is probably the best infield in baseball. Yeah, if they, if they had just signed Xander to the deal that they offered him in spring training when he said he would have accepted it, yeah. things could have been so much better. I mean, this literally would be the best infield in baseball. I mean, Cox's endeavors are are already insane, and mm-hmm. a fully healthy Trevor Story where he doesn't have to pull the load at, at, at short and can just play second. Well, even if, like... At at this point, it's like okay, we don't we don't love Xander's defense anymore. At short, we bump him to second because that was yeah, the big right. thing with him. He said, "I have no problems moving to second, but I'm not going to be paid like a second baseman. I'm going to be paid like a shortstop." Yeah. That from there, like I'll do whatever the team needs me to do. But yep. so imagine that defense. <sighs> God. <laughs> oh God. <sighs> yeah. Well, now we don't. Have that anyways mm-hmm. um all right well <laughs> now do it you know uh, over, overall what would you say this infield is like a c plus what well, uh, how about this b minus what what do you think the floor of this infield is the floor a uh, straight c straight c okay i yeah, I, I I'm agreeing with that. Like, I think at worst, like Cassis and uh, Devers, like they don't progress at all with their defense. Cass, uh, not Cassis, Story gets hurt, and Grissom just can't handle the position. At mm-hmm. best, I think B plus to A minus range. If yep. if uh, there's, a, there's a lot of ifs. Big ver- the the moral of or the uh, the motto of this season is going to be like. Uh, well, this could happen. This could have happened. Like, what if this happens? Um, yeah. Any, you think any prospects are going to come up at any of these spots? Uh, I think later in the year, I mean, per use, you're going to see like mayor is going to come up if he's fully healthy. Yeah. Do you think, do you think he comes up first of that bunch? Cause I do. I think Teal is the first one to really come up if he really blows through the minors. I think they look at him. It, so there's a few things that have to go right. If everything goes totally right mm-hmm. and the pitching's locked and they're winning games and they're competing and they and uh, Kyle Teal is blowing through the minors and they look at it and say, okay, well, we think we can really do something with him, mm-hmm. then I think they give him a chance. Mm-hmm. I, on the same vein, if they are trash, if they're awful, but mm-hmm. Kyle Teal blows in through the through, blows through the minors, I think that they still give him like a shot later in the year. Say, okay, well, we know what you're going to be next season for us, so let's give you a run mm-hmm. since we're out of it, kind of thing. It's like one of those two. If if like they're just totally average, then I don't think that you know he gets the run. Yeah, I mean, if they all have very comparable seasons, like no one, it like no one breaks away from the bunch. I think Meyer just because he has the most seasoning, mm-hmm. and then you know I could see maybe I think he'll get 
they're going to obviously start them all in double A, which I've already mm-hmm. been looking into uh, when they come to Hartford. Because uh, I will I will be getting tickets for that. More, <laughs> um, I think I think there's more of an opportunity. Well, I think it's tough because as is Teal, there's like to get him to the majors, you don't have to be like, ah, oh, well, like stories hurt and like Riz, I'm struggling. It's just like, like the catches are fine, but like we have Teal, like we can definitely get yeah, better, right. right? Um. So actually, I I do agree. I think Teal probably might be. I just think that they might be a bit take it a bit slower with him just because he only had like 20 games down there. Mm-hmm. But, but anyways, mm-hmm. um, that's that's going to pretty much wrap up this episode for, you know, looking at the infield and, and doing all that kind of stuff. So next week we're going to be looking at the outfield, mm-hmm. um, which should be a fun one. Um, and, yeah, if you like this episode, you know, leave a leave a rating – um you know subscribe on your favorite podcast platform do all that fun stuff share it with your friends do all that kind of stuff and uh you know let us know that you enjoy listening um because we enjoy doing it mm-hmm. uh and follow make sure you follow us uh at uh views monster pod on the twitter <laughs> um or you can watch us at views from the monster on youtube did you record this episode i sure did I sure Sweet. did remember to record it. So you can watch us and uh yeah. We'll um you'll be able to see all of our glorious faces when we're uh getting angry about things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For usual. Sure. I'm sure that will happen uh a fair amount this year. Oh yeah. For sure. Um but yeah, with that said, we will uh we will see you next week on Views from the Monster. Later y'all. <laughs>